Well, before I invite Sharon to come up, who's going to be sharing with us tonight, if you've, if you've not just been with City Life for any amount of time, but if you've just been in this region uh, for any amount of time, you know that Sharon Thomas with Established Footsteps has uh, both a gifting and an anointing on her life uh, just to teach and open up scripture. And uh, so last week as we were, you know, we're kind of stretching out this Easter message. We're, we've, we've been into it for about three weeks, digging into the, the narrative of the Easter story story, especially the part about the two uh, people that were on the road to Emmaus. And last week we talked about this new concept that we're introducing to the church called directional living. And we're just throwing the chart back up there again in case you weren't here. But uh, just this idea that for so many Christians, they live on this scale here, the Jerusalem, Sodom, and Gomorrah scale, meaning that you, you, you think of Christianity within the realm of morality, meaning that you understand that, that you sometimes times have a way that you want to live and that those are different from the ways that God wants you to live. And oftentimes those are moral decisions, but the cross of Christ and the picture of dying to self isn't just about dying to your ways and embracing God's ways. It's this Emmaus scale also. It means that God has plans for you. They're not moral decisions. It's about where you're going to live and who you're going to marry and what you're going to do by way of a vocation. And dying to self is also about dying to your plans and embracing God's plans. This idea of directional living, always moving away from Emmaus and Sodom and Gomorrah. And so on the way home last Saturday night, I, I had a sense that, that this was gonna become a little bit of a mini series for us over the next few weeks. And so as I was praying uh, that, that night, uh, Sunday morning when we got up, I had a message from Sharon Thomas saying, you know, I've just been studying this text and God's just been speaking to me. And she began to share what God was speaking to her. I said, well, you've got to share it with us. And so God is speaking to us about this idea of directional living. And so we're going to be in it for the next couple of weeks. So give Sharon Thomas a warm City Life welcome as she comes. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's always good to get to share with our church. I love this church, you know, I really do. I'm so grateful to be a part of a body where Jesus is exalted, right? And the word is held high and the presence of the Lord is welcomed here every night that we are here gathered together, but then in the other times that we're together too, out in the community and doing different things, those are still the values that are there. And so I hope you can say like me, and I'm sure you can, that it's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing here, right? It is a privilege. And I also am so grateful for, for our leaders. You know, um, we have strong leaders. I think we all know that, right? Fred and Vanessa are strong leaders, but yet they are so sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And really, just like he said, that's, that's why I'm here tonight, because this was not the plan when we were here, you know, last week. I, I had no idea that I would be speaking tonight, but the Holy Spirit does his own thing, and, and we get to follow him, and it, it's a joy, and it's a journey, and it's an adventure, because we never know where he's going to lead, but it's so good. So I went home last week, um, like Fred said, from our time here on Saturday night with this word on my heart. And it was the word position. And it was a word that God has spoken to me many, many times in my life. He's talked to me about my position in him. But after listening to Pastor Fred speak about this idea of directional living and going into this text in uh, Luke 24 about these two guys who were, you know, headed out of Jerusalem and back to Emmaus on the Sunday after Jesus had died, you know, what they thought was going to be this amazing thing that, that Jesus was going to be the Messiah and he 
was going to come and he was going to reign in Jerusalem. Now, you know, for them, it seemed like every hope was lost because for all they knew, Jesus was in the grave. And so they're headed back to Jerusalem, uh, back to Emmaus, away from Jerusalem, really to the plans of their own making. And as Pastor Fred reviewed with us a moment ago, I want to make sure that we're really solid on this idea of these, these three places because there's so much prophetic imagery in these three places of Scripture. We've got Jerusalem, which really represents the abundance of God's best. It's like the heaven that we talk about, heaven now, right, here at City Life. If, if we're in that Jerusalem zone, we're in the midst of where God's moving and blessing, and we're in a place, to, in a position to receive that. If we're in Emmaus, in that zone, we're in a place of really making our own plans, and if we're in Sodom and Gomorrah, we've really kind of given ourselves over into some decisions and, and ways of immorality. And so in Luke 24, when these two guys are headed away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, what they're doing, this is a representation that they are headed away from God's best for their life. They're heading to a plan that is so much less than what God created them for. Now, for some manner of time, we don't, we don't know how long it would have been because these were not, these two guys were not part of the, you know, 12 disciples. These were just some of the followers of Jesus. There were a lot of just average people like you and me, right, who were just following Jesus during that time when he was on the earth. So they could have been doing this in Jerusalem for maybe a few days, maybe a few weeks, months, even one, two, Two, three years. But for whatever it was, whatever that time was, they had been hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus had been influencing their thoughts. He had been influencing their plans. He had been influencing the way they spent their time and all of these things. But now they're headed away from all of that. And there's so much that we can really learn from their story. You know, I have visited this section of scripture so many times and God always speaks to me. And, and then I think I've learned everything and then I come back to it again and he speaks with another depth and shows more, and that's what he did last week. See, I went home last week with this word position. It was just like right here, you know? Does that ever happen to you? When, when God speaks and it's just something there, you know he's trying to say something that's just this word or a phrase or something that's just rumbling around in your heart. And that's what that word position was, was for me last week. So I went home, I'm thinking about it, I go to bed thinking about it, I wake up thinking about it, and as I often do on Sunday mornings, I love our Sabbath time, I, I, I get to spend some extra time with the Lord. And so I got up to do that, and, and I just had to go back into this chapter again because that word was just right here. And when I did, God began speaking to me very, very clearly about this word position. But here's the thing, church. I also sense that he said to me very clearly, Sharon, this is not just something for you. This is something for the church. And so that's why I reached out to Pastor Fred. See, I think he wants to continue. In fact, I know he wants to continue this conversation that he's having with us about directional living. He wants to talk to us tonight specifically about our position. You know, the word position is an indicator word. It indicates where you are located. Now that means physically where you're positioned, right? I mean, we walked into this building tonight, every one of us, and we positioned ourselves physically in this space. And we do this over and over again all throughout our day. We position ourselves in our car, behind our desk, at Starbucks, wherever you know you like to go, whatever you like to do, you position yourself. But position is not just a matter of your physical position, it's also a matter of the position of your heart. And we do that multiple times over. 
I would venture to say that most of us have positioned our hearts many times, even since we walked in the building. When you walked in the building, really, probably the way you were holding your head was even an indication of the position of your heart right? If you walked in and your head's up, you're looking around at people, you know, you're kind of, it's saying something about your heart. You're saying, I want to talk to people. I want to see who's here. I want to engage, you know, all of that. If you walk in like this and you're on your phone or you're looking straight ahead and like, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, right? You're saying something about the position of your heart. Now, I'm not saying which one is better. We'll just leave that for you to decide that, okay? But what we're saying is that we position ourselves, right? We just want to get this idea, not just physically, but the position of our heart really matters matters as well. And we do that all the time because very rarely do we just land somewhere, right? Because we have this being, our physical being and our heart, that inner man that we have charge over and we position it all day long over and over and over. Tonight, we can't talk about every position that we take in life. I mean, we'd be here, you know, till next week if we were doing that. But tonight, God wants to talk to us about our position toward him, specifically when he is speaking to us about the direction of our lives. What kind of position do we take toward him? What is the position of our hearts? Let's pray together. God, I thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active. So it is no wonder, God, that you would speak to us from your word. And God, tonight I pray that you would do that. Lord, I pray that our ears would be opened. I pray that each one of us would position our hearts right now, God, to hear from you. Because I do believe you have a word for us. And Lord, I pray that the things that you share tonight from your word through your spirit to our hearts would affect us for abundant living for years and years and years and years to come. Would affect generations, Lord, for years and years and years to come. Your word is that powerful. God, speak to us. We are positioned to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of us know that it is a given that God wants to speak to us about the direction of our lives? That he cares about the direction of our lives? How many of us know it is the heart of God? He longs for us to live in the zone of Jerusalem, right? In the midst of his blessings. He does not want us living in Sodom and Gomorrah. That creates all kinds of destruction, right? He does not want us living in Emmaus because that's going to be less than what he has for us. He wants us in the midst of his glory where that can be poured out in our lives. So of course, he wants to speak to us about the direction of our lives. So it's no wonder, right, that we see him speaking to these two guys as they're headed out of Jerusalem toward Emmaus about where they are headed. So let's go right back to this text and we're gonna read just a little bit of it to just remind us, and if you weren't here last week, this will help you as well. But Luke 24, I'd encourage you to get your Bible open because we're gonna move through it in in a lot of ways tonight. But starting in verse 13, it says, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached, and he began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? 
and they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and not aware of the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things. And as the text goes on from there, we find that this conversation takes place between these two men and Jesus. First, they pour out the whole story as if Jesus didn't know it, right? Because he's the one that lived the story that they pour out. And then we find in the following verses that Jesus actually corrects them, but then he teaches them. He walks with them. He goes all the way to Emmaus with them and has dinner with them, but some amazing things happen as he does. And in the midst of all of that, there is so much positioning going on. And I think, first of all, the Lord wants us to look at how Jesus positioned himself toward them. It's pretty amazing what he did when you think about it. Jesus approached them, but think about what day this was. This was the biggest day of Jesus' whole existence, right? This was the day that all of history had been moving towards since the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had, had taken that fruit. And so here is this big, big day on his life. Like, should have been the biggest celebration. Like, all of creation was celebrating because Jesus had just risen from the dead. And what does he do? He goes out. He finds these two average guys who, in a minute, he reveals to them that they're foolish and slow of heart. So it's not like he's like, oh, they're great guys. I want to hang out with them, right? He, he sees what they're doing. He sees where they're headed. He's like, you're missing the whole point. But what does he do? He goes, he doesn't just say hi to them. He spends hours with them on this very first day of his resurrection. Men who should have known better, right? Men who had been told by Jesus that he was going to resurrect. You know where they should have been? They should have been running down the pathways of Jerusalem looking for Jesus because they would have known that he was resurrected. But that's not what they were doing. What was their position? They were headed out of Emmaus, away from God's best. So foolish. Actually, Jesus calls them in verse 25. He says, foolish men, and he says, slow of heart to believe. I was studying this text about a year ago, and I landed on that phrase, slow of heart to believe. And it just really pierced me. And in that moment, the Lord just really put a picture before me. Because I always kind of classified people in two realms. You know, we've got believers, right? That would be us. We believe in Jesus. And I hope that everybody here does. We believe in Jesus. And then I classify, we have unbelievers. But what the Lord showed me that day was there's really three. There's unbelievers, there's believers, and then in the middle is this slow of heart to believe. It's not that you don't believe, but it's not that you really believe either. You just get stuck in the middle, just less than what God has for you. And Jesus calls them that here. He says, you're slow of heart to believe. I've told you all these promises that I have for you, and you're just stuck right here in the middle of that. But even still, what does he do? He seeks them out on this very special day. And what does this tell us about his position? That he's got a really big heart for us, right? And I think these two guys represent us because they're just average guys, right? Just trying to follow Jesus. And he's showing us this picture of how much he's going to come after us when we start heading away from what he has for us. See, this is his position toward us. The question is, what is our position toward him, right? 
I think the fact that Jesus spoke to them on this very specific day, right? He could have waited till the next day. He could have gone to Emmaus and found them. He could have had his celebration about the resurrection. No, but he does it on this day. I think that's very significant. See, now that he resurrected, what does that mean? It means that he's one. It means that he has full authority over life and death. It means that everything he longs to pour out on his children, he now has the full authority to do it. Nothing is held back. And so he doesn't waste any time getting about the business of doing the thing that the resurrected Christ is going to do. And that is pour out blessings on his children. He's running after them, not because he's needy of them, but he has such a heart for them to be able to live in the fullness of his blessings. He has been waiting, right? Centuries, he has watched his children go off to Sodom and Gomorrah. For centuries, he has watched his children go off to Emmaus to their own plans. And now, now he is able to fully pour out the good blessings on us. And so he comes up to them in verse, let's see, 17, and he says something. And this is a key phrase for us tonight. He says, what are these words that you're talking about as you're walking? What are these words that you are exchanging amongst one another? Now he asked them, not because he didn't know. He asked them because he did know, right? He knew exactly what they were saying. He could hear the conversation. He could hear the doubt. He could hear the fear. He could hear the sadness in their hearts. And all of those things were influencing their steps to take them away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So he asked them, and here's the thing, just like he could hear their conversation, he hears the conversations that you and I are having too. And he's going to approach us and he's going to talk to us about those conversations. He wants to intercede in on those conversations. So he positions himself. He, he draws near to us and makes himself known to us. You know, there's a verse in Hebrews 7.25 and, and in that section of scripture in Hebrews 7, it's talking about Jesus being our high priest. And it makes a statement. It says, he always lives to make intercession for us. You know, I've always thought of Jesus making intercession for us as standing before the throne of God and talking to God about us, right? Because that's what he does as our high priest. And that is absolutely true. But as I was looking at that this week, and, or looking at this text, the Lord brought this verse from Hebrews 7 to mind to me. And I started digging into that some more. And the Lord began to show me, Sharon, when Jesus is making intercession, it's not just that he's talking to me about you. It's that he's talking to you about me. And that's exactly what he did here. In fact, this word intercession, my mind was just blown as I looked up the original language of this word. Listen to what this word, when it says he always lives to make intercession. Listen to what the word intercession means in the original language. To come upon a person or thing to fall in line with, to go to or meet a person, especially for the purpose of conversation and consultation. Is that not exactly what he just did here to these two men? He came upon them. He was now alive, the resurrected one, always living to make intercession. And he started walking with them, interceding in on their conversation. And I believe this is such a picture of how the resurrected Christ relates to us as well, making intercession for us. He goes to God on our behalf, absolutely. But he also speaks to us on behalf of God. And it's so important how we position ourselves when he does that.
It's part of what God showed me last Sunday morning. See, he showed me that we have conversations going on all the time that he wants to intercede on. You know, a lot of times the conversations that we have are the things that influence us to move away from what God has for us. You know, you think about it. You have conversations with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, and those conversations influence your heart. They influence your thoughts, and a lot of times that's what influences your, your steps to head away. And Jesus wants to intercede on those. We, we have conversations, you know, with our culture. Maybe we're just listening. Maybe we don't say anything. But you are taking in the influence of the conversation of the culture all around you, especially more today even than when I was growing up. I've been cleaning out my attic. And oh my goodness, cleaning out your attic is such work. But I found boxes of letters that had been written to me during college boxes. And I looked at Marvin and I said, this was life before email. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. You know what? But today, you know, I didn't have access to what everybody thought out there when I was 18, 19 years old. Oh, but we do today. Culture is constantly talking to us. It's a conversation that's constantly running in our heads. We have conversations with ourselves, right? I'm 52. I talk out loud to myself all the time now. I don't know if anybody else that's my age does that. I didn't used to do that when I was younger. But you know what? I've always been having conversations with myself in my head. It's just I started saying it out loud now because I don't really care anymore what, what people think, right? What is it, 50? I don't care anymore, right? Yeah. So we always have conversations going on with ourselves. We have conversations with our feelings, right? Constantly conversing with ourselves about our feelings. And in these conversations, Jesus wants to step up. And he wants to say, what are these words that you're talking about as you're going along on the way. And how we position ourselves when he intercedes in on those conversations makes all the difference. Last Sunday morning, this is what God said to me. He said, Sharon, when I intercede in on the conversations of my children, they usually do one of three things. They will either put me out, put me off, or pull me in. And that's what God wants to really talk to us about tonight. Let's talk about what would have happened if they had put Jesus out. Meaning if they had refused to have a conversation with Jesus. See, we know the story. We've probably read it many times, so we don't even think about that. But they could have done that, right? Just because this is the way the Bible reads it, yes, it's true, but we should consider what would have happened if they didn't pull him in. They could have just ignored Jesus like, who are you? And just been about their way. The Bible told us they did not recognize him. We don't know if that's because Jesus now looked different as the resurrected Christ or if it was because maybe they were caught up in the drama of everything that had been happening for the last few days. And, you know, sometimes when you've got so much drama going on, you don't really see what's going on around you as well. You know, we don't know. But I tend to think it's a combination of both. I don't think that the resurrected Christ is any different than the pre-resurrected Christ in that he has always been and always will be God. But there is definitely a difference when Jesus has resurrected because there's no question about it. Now he's God, right? I mean, before he resurrected, he could be a good teacher, good prophet, somebody who could heal, somebody with a really good heart toward people that loved people and cared about people. But once he resurrects from the dead, he's God, right? 
And so maybe they just weren't being able to see it for that reason. Maybe because of the drama that had been going on. You know, I don't know. I just know this. I'm glad they didn't put him out because they would have missed all that they wanted, all that he wanted to do in their lives in that moment. But we can't miss the fact that they could have put him out. And we can't miss the fact that a lot of times, if, we, if we're really true with ourselves, that a lot of times we do put Jesus out when he intercedes in on our conversations. We put him out. In other words, we ignore him. We just don't want to go there about that, right? About whatever it is he's talking to us about. And I think, again, it happens for all kinds of reasons. I think maybe even some of these reasons I just talked about a minute ago in regard to these two men. Sometimes I wonder, and this is one of the things the Lord was speaking to me about last week in my own life, because this was for me. This was a very personal thing, but it was also for the church. But, you know, sometimes I have to grapple with the fact, do I really see Jesus as God? Or am I just thinking of him as a good teacher that I can go to to get a good word when I need one? Or I need healing today, so I'm going to go find Jesus, right? But what about when Jesus comes and finds me because he knows I need a healing that I'm not even aware that I need yet? And see, there's a difference because when he is the resurrected Christ, when he's God to me, and I see him that way, my eyes are not prevented from seeing him that way, I humble myself. And I would never put him out. But if I'm honest, there are times that I put him out. Because I just don't want to go there. I, don't, I, I, I just don't want to engage in that conversation today. And sometimes I think my drama, and I know sometimes for you probably, your drama, you, something's going on and it just gets full view for you. And you just don't want to deal with what Jesus wants to talk to you about in that moment. You know, I want to stop for just a minute and, and talk about this idea of Jesus speaking to us because I know I have been in the past and, and, and I, I just know from being in ministry this long that when you have a room this size of people that there's always going to be someone in the room that's going, I don't get what you mean when you talk about Jesus speaking to you. Like, do you hear his voice? Um, you know, is that an audible thing? Uh, I've never heard Jesus speaking to me. I don't really understand what that means. And, and I get that because I was that person for a long time. I didn't hear Jesus speaking to me. I didn't know what that, what that sounded like. And I have come to believe and experience and know that he does speak, right? And I do hear his voice now. And it is something that we, we move into and we walk into as we follow Jesus closer. As Pastor Fred said even last week, it's not really about, you know, if we have a hard time hearing from God, it's not about listening harder. It's really about positioning our lives better. And I just want to speak to that for just a minute because, you know, Jesus is not physically positioned here on the earth anymore, but his spirit is here, and his spirit speaks to us. His spirit speaks to us through his word when we position ourselves in our Bibles, through his spirit when we position ourselves in prayer to seek him, when we position ourselves to worship him. He, he, he speaks in vast and various ways as we position ourselves to even just gather together. You know, there's a word, like Nathaniel had a word tonight, or people you'll talk to in the hallway as they're sharing different testimonies and different things. You know, God begins to speak. They might say something, and you're like, wow, that was the voice of the Lord to me, right? 
When we position ourselves to fast, we're setting aside different things that are distractions in our lives, and it, and it helps our ears to be more in tune to hear. When, when we take our Sabbath on a weekly basis, we're you know, um, getting that rest and taking away the busyness, busyness so that we can hear from God. And if you've been at City Life any long length of time, you know you're beginning to say, okay, well, that was a pathway, and that was a pathway, and that is a pathway, gathering and prayer and worship and all these, all these different things. And, and I would say to you, there are pathways that run all through the roads of Jerusalem. And I think that's what these are, right? You walk in your Bible, you, you pray, you gather, you fast, you worship, all these different things. These are the roads, the, the highways and the byways that run all through Jerusalem where you're going to find the blessings and the good things of God. We say all the time, these pathways take us to places. And they do. They take us in and through Jerusalem, into the midst, into the inner workings of the blessings of God. And many times it's just a matter of positioning ourselves in these pathways that sets us up to hear the voice of God, to recognize his voice so that we won't put him out, right? That we would be so familiar with his voice that in those moments when, because we all have them, when our feet do begin to be influenced to step toward Emmaus or step toward Sodom and Gomorrah, that when Jesus comes to intercede in our conversations, we know his voice because we're very familiar with it because we've been experiencing it as we've been in Jerusalem listening to it. So God showed me that last week about putting him out, but he also talked to me about putting him off. See, this would be more of we take the position, oh God, yeah, I really do want to hear from you. I just don't have time right now. So can we come back to it later, God? We put him off. Because we're busy, right? Because we've got a lot on our mind. Because we already had our agenda planned for today or the plan for this month of what it was going to go like. And so we're going to do it. It's just later. God, I do want to talk to you, but I do want to do it later. The problem is a lot of times later never comes, right? It never comes. And we're that much further down the road to Emmaus or to Sodom and Gomorrah. We had good intentions, but a lot of times the reality is those things are taking precedence. Imagine the scene with me if these two guys had taken this position toward Jesus of putting him off. Like Jesus came up to them and said, what are these words that you're exchanging? And they were like, you know, man, we really got to get to Emmaus today. We don't have time to talk to you. But if you just ask anybody in the city, they'll, they'll tell you. And, and hey, we'll come back for the next holiday and we'll catch up with you then. Which is what a lot of us do, right? Jesus, I'll catch you on the next holiday, right? And we'll find you and then we'll talk to you then. But think with me for a minute. What would they have missed? What would they have missed? I want us to go to the text, and we're just going to move through it really quick, but I'm going to show you what they would have missed. First of all, they would have missed the correction of Jesus in verses 25 and 26. He corrected them. Now, you might say, well, that was fine with me. I don't really want the correction of Jesus, and I would say, yes, you do. You may not think you want it, but you would be lost without the correction of Jesus. I would too. I want the correction of Jesus, even though it hurts sometimes. I want it. They would have missed the teaching of Jesus. Verse 27 tells us that beginning with Moses, so that's like going all the way back to 
Exodus. Moses was born in the early chapters of Exodus. So Jesus went all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, and as he walked, he like gave them a full-on Bible study, right? Now, we listen to amazing teaching and preaching here every week. I know that many of us also listen to podcasts, all of that. None of it compares, even though it's great, right? It's great. None of it compares to Jesus explaining the Bible to you. They would have missed all of that. They would have missed the presence of Jesus for seven miles and then the dinner that they had with him in verses 29 and 30 because when they got to Emmaus, they were like, please don't leave. Please come on in. They, they were positioned in that they wanted all that they could get of him. So they had dinner with Jesus. In verse 31, we're told that their eyes came open and they recognized him. That is a supernatural thing that happened to them. They would have missed that. Then they also, in verse 31, it says Jesus vanished, like poof, he's gone. They would have totally missed that like aha moment, like where did he go? I don't know where he went. They would not have experienced that, you know? And also, they would have missed the burning heart. Look in verse 32. They looked at one another after Jesus had vanished and they said, were not our hearts burning within us when we were walking on the road and he was talking to us? When's the last time your heart burned for the things of God? that passion that God created us for, they would have missed all of that. They would have missed a restored way. It tells us in verse 33 that they got up that very hour and hightailed it back to Jerusalem. They would have just been stuck in Emmaus in their own plans. They would have missed this. They would have missed the fellowship with the 11 disciples. They went and found them. We find that right here in verses 33 and 34 and 35, that they had this fellowship. And I'm telling you, I would have loved to have been in the room. I am sure that that was some rich fellowship as they're all coming into this realization that he really is alive. Sure, they had heard it, but now they're seeing it. And now all of a sudden, Jesus shows up again. Like, just like he vanished, all of a sudden he's in their midst again. He starts talking to them about, in verse 39, about saying, touch me. So they're getting to touch Jesus. They would have missed that. The wonder and joy. In verse 41, it says that they were in awe and wonder. Like just, can you believe this is happening? Those kind of moments. They would have missed that. Verse 45 tells us that he opened up their minds. See, before he opened up their eyes when he was having dinner, now he opened up their minds. And they fully understood the scriptures that he had been speaking to them. They would have missed it. Direction and purpose. Jesus began speaking to them. And he told them, you're going to stay in the city. And you're going to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. They were going to get to be some of the very first people for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them. They would have missed all of that. Jesus called them to be his witnesses. That's their new assignment in life. Who knows what they would have been doing in Emmaus, right? Just this whole hum assignment. Now they've got this assignment with the 11 disciples to be some of the very first people called and anointed by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. Then, verse 50, Jesus takes them out to Bethany and he blesses them. They would have missed all of that. Then they got to view him going up into heaven. The ascension, they would have missed that too. And I would add their story would not be in the Bible. All of this, they would have missed. All of it, if they had put him off and said, I'll get back to you. I don't have time to talk to you right now. You know, this strikes at the heart for me. It gives me pause. Because I wonder how many times has Jesus interceded on any manner of conversation that I'm having and I put him out or I put him off. What am I missing? What have I missed out on? Now be careful to keep this in right perspective. 
Because this is not about condemnation. This word of the Lord tonight is not about making us feel like, I missed it. I'm never going to get it back. That's not what it's about. It's about this invitation that is mercifully, divinely appointed and anointed and continually in front of us. An invitation that he gives us to position ourselves to pull him in. To pull him in. That's what he wants us to do when he intercedes in on our conversations. We hear him. We hear him saying, what are these words that you're speaking? And we say, speak right here, Jesus, because I don't want to miss anything that you're saying to me. You know, we all have certain people in our lives that are on our priority list, right? If they text us, if they call us, if they show up, doesn't matter what's going on, we drop it, right? Because they have priority in our lives. We have positioned ourselves in relationship with them in just that way. And that's the way our relationship needs to be with Jesus. When he steps in, doesn't matter if it was planned. Maybe you already had your quiet time in the morning. Guess what? He's showing up at 11 a.m. too. He wants to talk to you. It's okay. He's on your priority list. He is your priority list. He's at the top of your priority list. And he says to you, what are these words that you are exchanging amongst yourself? What are you talking about that you stop and you pull him near? And that's what Cleopas and his buddy did right here in verse uh, 17 and 18. It says they stood still looking sad. I love it that that's what they did, that they stood still looking sad. Both of those things. Because it tells me they stopped for the conversation conversation. They stood still, but it also tells me that they were real, right? They they didn't try to hide who they were. They were sad. They were disappointed. Ever been there? Ever been there even with God that you're disappointed? And they let him see it. It didn't keep him away, right? He could have in that moment said, you foolish people, you slow of heart to believe, but that's not the tone that he said that later. I know it's not. Because what did he say to them? He said, what things? He let them talk first. He let them pour out their heart. He let them expose their sadness and their grief. And then he corrected them. And I believe it was a gentle correction. He just fell in line, in step with them, and walked with them, and showed them the scriptures, and showed him himself. Whatever it is in our hearts, he sees it, but it doesn't keep him away. He positions himself near us. And if we are positioned well, church, we will pull him near every single time. It will be a conversation, a conversation. You know, we don't get to view the rest of the story for Cleopas and his friend. I'm sure there were other conversations in their lives where Jesus made intercession. I'm absolutely sure of it. Because giving Jesus a voice in our lives is not a one-time thing. It happens over and over and over again. It's a day-to-day, sometimes hour-by-hour, sometimes minute-by-minute, positioning ourselves to just let the Spirit of Jesus move in us and speak to us in every moment about every way and every plan of our lives. It's not just about listening. If we really want to experience the blessings of Jerusalem, we have to trust Jesus enough to take him up on the invitation to take him up on the invitation because I can guarantee you pretty much every one of these conversations is probably going to have an invitation and what is that invitation well pastor Fred talked about it last week it comes right out of Matthew 16 24 out of the mouth of Jesus he said if anyone wants to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me 
And perhaps that's the reason sometimes also we put him off or we put him out because we just don't want to go there. We've been around the block enough to know that's going to be part of the conversation and I just don't want to do that today. And so we put him off or put him out. But we shouldn't do that, right, church? We need to pull him near. Because whenever he's going to give us this invitation, we need to see his heart. It's because he's trying to draw us into the blessings of the resurrection. It is going to call us to do something different. But that different is going to turn into blessing for us. Not by the world's standards, not even by our standards. Many times by Jesus' standards that we don't even understand yet at the time. But he'll bring us into that as we walk with him on these pathways through the blessings through the highways and byways of Jerusalem. It's so, so good. You know, I've had enough years behind me now that I can see the times that I have pulled him in and the blessings that have followed and the times that I have put him off or, you know, put him out and and the lack thereof. You know, I was thinking even this week, Pastor Fred and I were talking about this whole idea of, of City Life becoming a hub church for cherished, and we're so, so excited about that and just what God has in store for that. But you know, we, we want women to come to these information meetings. We had a good group last week, and I, I hope that uh, many of you will come tonight and just hear what it's about to see, you know, to see if Jesus is wanting to have a conversation with you about that. There's so many women in our region that God wants to reach that he loves and cares for. But it's so interesting to me the timeliness of, of this word that God gave to me in the midst of us having these meetings in these two weekends. Because how Cherish started is such a picture of exactly what we're talking about um, tonight. See, it, it started with basically Jesus breaking in on a conversation that I was having and saying, Sharon, what are you talking about? See, when I was a little girl, there was a pizza parlor on Jefferson Avenue called Shakey's Pizza. If any of you grew up around here, you, you might remember that. I know a lot of you are not as old as me, so maybe you don't. But for me, it was one of my favorite memories as a kid. We, we went there often as a family. But I remember moving back here as an adult, that one day I was driving down Jefferson Avenue, and I saw that Shakey's Pizza was no longer Shakey's Pizza. It was now a strip club. And I got so angry. It was such a violation to me of the memories that I had had in that place as a kid. And and in my heart, I just was like, started having this conversation like, God just needs to burn that place down. And every time I would pass by it, I didn't go that way very often, but every time I would pass by it, that's the conversation that would rumble around in my heart. Well, fast forward through a time, and, and I had just returned to the States from being on a mission trip to Romania. Established Footsteps had sent about seven women to Romania. We had done some women's conferences there. We had ministered in some pretty dark places. And God had really opened up our hearts to just the darkness that goes on in this world. And what happened is we came back that he began to really open up our hearts to the darkness that is right here in our own city. And so it was in that season, and I'm driving down Jefferson Avenue again, and I pass that strip club again that used to be Shakey's Pizza Parlor. And sure enough, same conversation in my heart. Oh, God just needs to burn that place down. And the Holy Spirit just broke into that moment, and he said, Sharon, what are you talking about? There are people in that building that I love. And his words pierced my heart so much because I knew I knew deep inside of me that those words contained an invitation to me, but it wasn't an easy invitation. See, I was doing ministry. I was really involved in my church. I was doing a lot of good things, but now God was saying, I want you to go into these strip clubs, and I want you to take my love for those people there. 
I will be honest, my first response was to put God off. I'm like, I am not going in a strip club. I mean, all my life I had taught those been taught Jesus wants you to stay away from places like that, right? And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense to me, God. I wouldn't know how to, what to say. I wouldn't know how to act. But God just began to press on me over and over again and basically just say, let's talk about it. So for about a year, I invited some friends to join me, and every Monday night, I would park my van across the street from this strip club, and these girls would climb into my van, and eyes wide open, we would sit there for an hour or so, and we would just pray. And we would let God talk to us, and we would talk to him, and we saw a lot of things, and God began to make our hearts burn for the things that his heart burned for. It took months. It took months of that. We did that for about a year. And and I want you to know, there were so many Monday nights I did not want to go. That I had other things that I really want to be doing with my time. I wanted to be back in my safe bubble and not have to think about those things and not have to try to think about going into a place like that. But Jesus would intercede and speak through his word, through prayer, through my worship, through just positioning my life in his blessings and in doing life with him. Every time he would speak to me about it, I knew he was giving me an invitation to take up my cross, to follow after him, and to take the the truth of the gospel, the truth of the resurrection into these clubs so that they could experience the salvation and the life that I was experiencing in Jerusalem. You know, we are seven years now on the other side of the beginning days of Cherished. And I can tell you, not just for me, but for every person who has ever joined and, and been a part of the Cherished team, and several of you in this room have been, that it's been a whole lot of dying to self. But I can tell you this, we have seen the glories of God. We have seen things that we would have missed had we just stayed on our own plan or doing our own thing. God has done so much in our hearts and, and so much in the lives of other people. I couldn't see the glories of God in those early days. It was a whole lot of taking up my cross and following after him. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I did. And I can tell you, our team now goes into strip clubs all over this region once a month and sometimes more than that. God's plans are usually not our plans. We have to be willing to position ourselves, to hear from him, and then to follow him, even if it means changing our, our plans, changing our ways, everything. If we really want what God has for us, we've got to submit it all. So I want to invite the worship team to come on up, and I'm just going to conclude with some thoughts here. But, you know, there's some verses in Psalm 144, um, verses 12 through 15, that really have a lot of imagery in them about the glories of God uh, manifested in the lives of his people who are fully submitted to them or to him. And in these verses, David, is, he's praying. He's praying a prayer, and he's praying for the sons and the daughters of the nation of Israel. He's praying for the land. He's praying for their homes. He's praying for all these things that they would experience experience the fullness of what God has for them in every way. And I love how he concludes his prayer. Listen to what he says. In verse 15, he says, how blessed are the people who are so situated. In other words, how blessed are the people who are so positioned, right? And then he says, how blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And really that's what it comes down to. God wants to bless us, church. 
He wants to bless us. He intercedes in on our conversations to bless us. And we have to see that and position ourselves to pull him near every single time that he does. What, left to ourselves, we're going to wander away, right? We are. We just are. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. That's what we do. We wander away. But if we can hear his voice and then pull him near, oh, that can so, so change. You know, as I was preparing to share tonight, a lot of times I'll just try to kind of talk out loud what I feel like the Lord is having me speak. And I was getting so frustrated because I wished that God had given me both names of these two guys. Like we have Cleopas and then who is this guy? Is he his buddy? Is he his friend? Like, what do I call him? It was just awkward. And I said that in, in one moment. I just kind of stopped and I was like, God, why didn't you just give us both names? This is just really awkward. And the Holy Spirit just whispered to me. He said, I did it on purpose because I want you to insert your name here. I want this to be your story, that you position yourself. And I want every person in my church to be able to put their name there, that they position themselves and that they don't miss out like these guys didn't. They positioned themselves well. They pulled Jesus near and we got to see tonight all that they would have missed had they not done that. Oh, if God could give us a view of what we miss when we don't pull him near. I know in this room right now, the Holy Spirit is saying to many of us, what are these words you're talking about amongst yourselves? Don't put him out. Don't put him off. Pull him near as we worship together, church. He has so much to bless us, right? How blessed are the people who are so positioned. How blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen.